Welcome, everyone, to Beyond the Panel, brought to you by Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester, and Westchester's ultimate headhunter, the Headless Horseman. I'm your host, Kai, and we're here to give the Talent Tuesday panelists an opportunity to follow up and dive a little deeper into the subject matter they recently spoke to on the webinar. Today, we are talking to Dr. Heidi Davidson. Dr. Heidi Davidson is a marketing and communications executive with more than 25 years of experience helping individuals and companies of all sizes tell their stories. Through the firm, she co-founded Galvanize Worldwide. She works with a number of startups, scale-ups, incubators, accelerators, and venture capital firms to evaluate investment opportunities and advise businesses. Welcome to the program, Heidi. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, wonderful to have you. So tell us about what you and your company do, not just in Westchester County, but globally. Yes. Galvanize Worldwide is a full-service marketing, PR, and crisis communications firm that works with clients to, to meet their needs across the marketing spectrum. So our network represents about 170 experts, creators, marketers, communicators, um, who work across all industries and support marketing and communication disciplines for clients of all types. Usually we play in sort of the technology space or financial services or um, mobile. We do a lot in, in AI. We do a lot in autonomous vehicles, but that's kind of, that's kind of how we operate. Wow. Sounds like you take on new adventures, so to speak, with, you know, AI and automation. We do. That's exactly what we do. Oh. We love it. Very cool. So I loved hearing about how Galvanize was born. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you're at in your life when you realized that you needed to carve out your own little space? Yeah, absolutely. I sort of grew up in the PR agency space and then in the big corporate America space. So like office first environments at MasterCard for 11 years and then at BlackBerry um, for four years. And after that fourth year of BlackBerry, I was exhausted. I wanted to spend more time with mm -hmm. the kids. I had been traveling like crazy. It was a crisis a minute. Fascinating and fun, but intense. And so I remember it was eight years ago and I was interviewing for a role in lower Manhattan. And anybody who lives in, in this area in New York knows that it's, you know, like it could be an hour and a half commute just to lower Manhattan. And I remember thinking, what the heck am I doing? Like, that's not a commute mm -hmm. I want to do. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, is there anyone like me who wants to just work from home, work on great clients, just do good work and free yourself up to live a healthier life, to be more, you know, to be more physically fit, to walk the dog if you want to in the morning, to work out, to be there for the kids before the bus and after the bus, to not miss the dance recital, the game and all those things. And I thought, if, could I build a network or a structure like that? that would appeal to other people, experts in their field, and get them to come together to service clients. And would the clients come mm -hmm. as well? And so mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to give it a year and see if we can pull it off. And that was eight years ago. We had we started with the two people, and now we have 170 wow. plus. So That's amazing scalability. Yeah, what we found is that people, the clients have come, and that there are lots of talented um, experts in this marketing and communications and crisis communication space who do, in fact, want to do great work, but also create more flexibility and control in their schedule. Wow, that's really cool to hear because you were ahead of the curve, right? It's true. Yeah. I think what, what lockdown taught us was, I think, some of these ideas of work-life balance, of flexibility, that you were feeling real time. You, you went and did it on your own, which is you know impressive on itself. Um, but 
you were you were ahead of of the conversation that that we've seen. We the last were zooming years. before anybody else was zooming. That's for sure. But what we <laughs> what was interesting as we went right. into COVID was we were getting loads of inquiries about how we have managed our company, how, how we did it, how like what's the setup you yeah. use, how does your team manage to keep you know yeah. in close touch and coordinate. And we were able, we had, gosh, probably four years of experience doing it already and really getting, I wouldn't say perfecting it because you always want to get better, but we've gotten really, really great at it. Yeah. And so I think it'd be interesting just kind of talk about the benefits you were seeing, you know, before and maybe after kind of, kind of the lockdown and like the kind of going back to office culture. I wonder if there was anything that kind of overlapped benefits wise. You know, when we think about benefits of this structure versus, you know, now we're competing against some of the biggest PR and marketing agencies in the world. And for us, you know, there are, I think there are kind of four key areas of of differentiation or benefits. The first is obviously talent. We are not limited by a geography to get Mm -hmm. the best talent in the world. So when we have, you know, the opportunity to just say, we're, we're looking for an expert in you know paid digital, we can access that great talent from anywhere on the planet. And so that allows us to have the best talent without that limitation. Cost is another one. So there are savings tied to not having overhead. You know, a lot of the big right. agencies that we work, that, that we're competing against, those big agencies have beautiful buildings in New York City with very expensive leases mm-hmm. and rents, and we don't have that. We have very yeah. low overhead. So we're able to pass that over, you know, that low overhead and savings onto customers in the form of, you know, fees and, and average billable rates that are much lower than mm-hmm. um, our, our agency counterparts. And we can also reinvest those savings into our people, into our culture, into providing tools for for the jobs that we do. Um, The next I would say is competitiveness. You know, a fully distributed workforce really allows us more flexibility um, for high quality client service with benefits like engaging team members in other time zones to accelerate delivery. So when I'm asleep, someone else is working, which is really helpful to keep things moving and to, to work fast. And then last, I think, you know, team engagement. So people are, you know, for the most part, thrilled to be able to have this pos- this opportunity to be able to work on great clients that are, that are brought to them so they don't have to do the hustle and find the next client. We're bringing great work to them. They're able to work on their craft and it gives them the freedom and the flexibility to work whenever they want and whenever they need. And it shows the trust I think, and that trust that we have in them breeds engagement and they continue to work with us. And we've had lots of people working with us for a long time. A full list of benefits, right? That you've kind of been living and breathing well before the pandemic, which forced so many of us into that business model. Um, but what are like some of the challenges you face as a fully remote company? Yeah, I think there's certainly some, right? This model is not necessarily for everyone and it's not for every field either. There are obviously some fields that, that you can't be remote for. You have to be in person. And we do bring people together either for strategy sessions on behalf of a client. We'll meet up at an event or a trade show. So we do get to see everybody in person from time to time. But there are others I've never met, right, that I'm just seeing on Zoom. Mm, yeah. So the challenges, I think, are, you know, from an individual worker perspective, it requires a certain amount of discipline, right? I think you have work-life right. balance challenges both in a corporate environment and in a home office or remote environment, Um that won't change. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a, you know, a professional setup. You can't be sitting on a bed. You have to watch what's behind you, yeah. right? Like 
So there are things like that. You still have to have a professional, um, you know, demeanor as you're doing them. But these Zoom calls, you know, you, you want, like we've said to our team, like, don't, no more apologies for kids in the background, dogs, the lawn yeah. guy, the cleaning person, whatever. Um, no, no more of that. But we do want to have a professional um, environment. Mm-hmm. So having the... Yeah. Kind of reminds me of how many months it took me to get out of PJs uh, when we moved on remote. So, oh yeah, I could dress like a normal yeah, person and feel like I went you to can, work, right? You can. So like that, but uh-huh. I think that's the challenge. But I think you know, I always had work-life balance challenges when I was in the corporate environment too. Like you sure. have to set those boundaries. That's tricky. And then for the team and managing the team, you've got to be available for questions. You have to be responsive. Um, mm. you know, you've got to make sure that you're communicating with great clarity because people are basically getting the assignment and going away, doing it and delivering it back. So we always try to have great creative briefs. We try to give a lot of detail. Um, a lot of times we'll use video to share a brief and to explain what we're needing. Um, it varies, but we try to keep in close touch with people when they need it so that they're not burning through time or wasting time um, on delivering something that isn't quite right. Um, we do checkpoints. Like there's, there are a lot of things that we've implemented to make sure that we're staying connected. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of like some of the challenges I've heard uh, bosses talk to me about, um, or I should say employers have talked to me about being 100% remote is this idea of communication, right? Like I called you, you didn't pick up. I didn't hear from you an hour. Like, like kind of like setting those expectations, you know, nine to five, call it, um, uh, around what's expected of you. Like, is it as simple as setting your status to do not disturb? Um, or, you know, how available do you need to be? And I guess that kind of brings me to the question of what's the employer's role in like educating employees on how to be better remote workers? Yeah, I think to, to your point, I would say, you know, we try to, in the very upfront onboarding, explain to people sort of our expectations. And then we also try to understand their boundaries, right? When do they want to be working? What core business hours do they want to work? And I'm always, always try to be careful to not impose my hours on someone else because they may have reasons for mm-hmm. their hours, right? So, sure. um, and I often, if I do need to reach someone, I will say, you know, can you please let me know when you're available for a call? I never try to call somebody on the fly. I just, right? Got so. It. So I try to respect those boundaries, one. Um, In terms of employers, I think our responsibilities are to be very clear about what our expectations are in the outset and to give feedback, you know, fairly regularly about how things are going or not going well, because you're Mm -hmm. not necessarily seeing us all the time. You're not reading our body language. You're not, you know, I never want you to wonder if the latest project was good or bad. We were happy or not with your delivery, right? So Mm-hmm. We try to over-communicate. We try to be clear. Um, we try to set expectations on the outset, both of your time with us and any project that you're working on with us. And I love to try to get you know back to them with how it ended. Like, what was the end of the project? Yeah. Here's the final result. Because sometimes you miss that too. Um, and then we yeah. also set expectations around, you know, kind of presence and what your camera should look like in lighting and and like that yeah. too but people are very sensitive about the kind of equipment that they use in their own setups which is fine especially in the marketing sort of disciplines you have you know your favorite types of computer or types of software we don't care so much about that we just want you know great people working with great people on great projects and that right. and getting stuff yeah. done which is what we value. absolutely defining those expectations up front and you know it kind of made me think about you know maybe in an office setting a quarterly or a yearly review 
you could get away with because there's so many other in-person touch points. But if you're remote, maybe considering a more regular rhythm for that feedback cycle. That's right. We try to do that after each project, during and after each project, get clearer, you know, very, it's almost transactionally, but like trying to get very clear for each item. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of segues us into this idea of company culture versus work-life balance. And I appreciated you saying that you don't want to impose your hours, right, on on an employee because we're all in different stages of life. Like, I'm totally fine right now working 10 to 6 or 7, but, you know, as you know, we have a baby on the way and my life is about to be drastically altered. Um, so I'm going to need some flexibility, right? Um, so I think coming out of the pandemic, what we learned in the workforce, if you're in the office, if you're hybrid, if you're fully remote, it's this idea of flexibility. It's this idea of empathy towards an employee as an employer on where they're at in life. And you know how how do you kind of reconcile that as, as the leader of, of Galvanize? Well, I think your point is exactly right. And that top performers, all performers expect and demand flexibility and freedom to do their work when they work best, right? And so we need to respect and honor that. But it's interesting because we, we had a conversation on the team here just about this idea of, of culture, corporate culture. And one of, one of our folks said, you know, it's so interesting, this conversation about culture. What makes you think that any one person at a company would prioritize that company's culture over the things that they think are important, like their own personal flexibility, mm-hmm. physical wellness, mental health, family, children, other commitments, mm-hmm. hobbies, nonprofit work. Like, So it's interesting. We, we talk so much about culture. Really, we talk at Galvanize less about our Galvanize culture, although we do focus on that and try to bring great programs to the team. We focus more on you and what motivates you. And and for our people, um, what we've found is, and I think this is not unlike you know the rest of the population, that we have a, a bit of a caregiving crisis, especially in the United States, although our people are are all over the world. And that that is that we have more single parents, the aging boomer population, mm-hmm. um, we're the sandwich generation. Forty one million Americans are caregivers in some way, shape, or form. Right. We're working longer because things are expensive. We're caring for our elderly parents who are who are getting older and getting um, and living longer. So we're all employed and trying to do everything for everybody and trying to take care of ourselves yeah. too. And so what we know is that they're demanding that flexibility to do whatever they need to do and to work around those things that are important to them. And so it's important for me to make sure that we are leaving space for them to do that. And I believe that in return, they are more loyal, they do better Mm -hmm. work, they are grateful for the work, they bring other work to our network. um, Mm -hmm. And and we all benefit from that flexibility because they're grateful for it, loyal to it, and they're still doing great work. And they don't have to work in our business. They don't have to work nine to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming your retention is is probably pretty good. Yeah, too. It is. and and what's what's even better how we've grown so fast is that you know the first seven people recommended people in their network, so it's really one degree of separation, and those people are recommending great people. And that's oh yeah, what happens is our great people know great people, and yeah, and I, to grow. Yeah, and. I think we all we all feel the power of an organic hire, right? Something that doesn't have to jump through 10 hoops, instead just only a couple. That's right. And people have said to me, like, I never knew that something like this existed. I didn't even know this was a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought this yeah. was a unicorn. And I'm like, well, try it. Like, try it. 
just try it and see yeah. if it's a unicorn. It may not work for everyone. But this is an yeah. option for you. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, you know, I've talked with so many employers and I think what I'm learning is that as long as a company leads with their values, leads with their expectations around in-office hybrid or remote, you're going to attract a certain candidate and you're going to unattract a certain candidate. So just be aware of that as you go into these this hiring cycles and you're trying to retain or attract a, a type of employee. Um, but if you're a list, if a, a listener out there who's considering staying remote, just they're done dealing with the building. It's been a few years. They just can't seem to get it where it needs to be. You know, is there maybe one thing you would recommend a company do to kind of help set some of these ideas in motion? I think, you know, communication is the key. You've got to be so clear at the outset, as we said, and all the way through, you're going to spend more time communicating with those employees than you would expect. Um, and just respecting that person and their boundaries, I think is also key getting clear back from them on their capacity, their work schedule, what their boundaries are so that you're both going into the experience, understanding each other and the expectations. That's where I think it falls apart. If you're not clear with each other and that's what we really endeavor to do, to be super clear on what you expect, what we expect so that we can be successful together. All right. So just be super clear. That's great. I love that. It's simple. <laughs> and that wraps it up. Big thanks to our guest, Dr. Heidi Davidson, Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester and Westchester's Ultimate Headhunter, the Headless Horseman. Be sure to check out thebcw.org for upcoming webinars and events, including Talent Tuesdays. Thanks again, Heidi. Thank you. Until next time, everyone. Take care.